this is, I think I'm in, thinking of ending things. 9.5. Holy shit. Wow, Masterpiece Paul. City. Greatest of all time. Yeah. Wow. I'm going, out I'm going out on the tree limb. Wow. It's his favorite film so it's far. It's my favorite film so far. Wow. wow. Jesse Buckley. Jesse I Buckley. thought Brie Larson was in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesse Buckley. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to see Buck your entire the canon actress. of work before the month is out. Yeah, we will absolutely get into that. Aaron, what did you give it? Kaboom. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That well, is interesting. Okay. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> sorry, Charlie. Well, uh, I gave it a, a 9.3. Wow. There you Unbelievable go. masterpiece. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Um, I may get close oh, to my microphone. I, I, yes. I, I want to listen to myself throughout this entire broadcast. Sorry, Chris. Well, well, folks, let me round it out with an 8.2. Okay. Okay, so so Chris and Aaron are a bit closer, and me and Paul are a bit closer. Interesting. Well, this will be an interesting score. I'm going to guess it's going to be about eight point eight. That's my guess. Eight point eight. I think the nine points, the nine point five is going to do a lot for it. Good, as it should. Huh. Fucking seven point seven. Seven point seven. That is an I eight point seven. I shouldn't have to look at eight point seven. 8.7. There you go. What'd you say, Aaron? I shouldn't have to look at reviews to try to understand the movie. Oh, oh come on. Just Aaron, look, Aaron, look. Aaron, that is the most disgusting shit I've ever heard come you out. You are a smart man, Aaron, man, and I can't you, believe that came out of your you mouth. You shouldn't have to look at reviews. Yeah, you oh, shouldn't, but, no, but you maybe think like about the, it. That's how much I didn't like the movie. It's like oh. I, I literally had to find someone to try to explain it to me because oh. I was like, I just don't get it. So you just don't like things you don't understand and, and you don't like things that are not easy. That's 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 clearly what we're talking about. <laughs> that's not what I'm oh saying. Oh my God. Clearly, we've reviewed like 25 films. I'm not just like wanting <laughs> spoon-fed information cinema. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, no. I, I mean, I'm obviously teasing you. We'll get into why we did or did not like the film. Chris, I would like to start the conversation off with an interview about a minute-long clip from an interview of Charlie Kaufman. Um, I think it'll be a great jumping point for us to start this conversation with regards to what he's talking about. And there is also this sort of thing that critics do, um, some critics do, and some people do, um, where they rank things, you know, where they're like, we see that a lot, you know, and it's something that I, I've taken issue with um, in my personal life with you know, people who do that. I just, I find that to be a bizarre and aggressive and long-headed way to look at a, a piece of work. I mean, you know, it moves you, it doesn't move you. Why do you need to compare it to some other piece of work, you know? I mean, if, you, if you're comparing it to express something about it or express something about the other work, that's fine. But to sort of like put a list together, it, it feels like you're, it feels like you're like, you know, like it feels aggressive or show off you or, or something to me. Well, and it's an inherently subjective hierarchy, right? Like, yeah. It's Jesus. Well, you say, let's all have a little bit of a reaction there. You said Jesus, Chris. What are your thoughts on what Charlie had to say about what we're doing here? <laughs> Welcome to Cinemania. Or no, Welcome to Cinemania first, Charlie. <laughs> Cinemania. Uh, what show Cinemania is that? 1. I've never yeah, heard no, of that. Maybe 1.0. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
No, that was that was two point oh. Uh, Dead oh, Cinema Society. Welcome, welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you. What? But really, what do you guys think of of what he said? I have my thoughts, but um, what do you what do you guys think? That is uh, yeah, I mean, is it is it too reductive? I mean, I I did I don't know how long that interview played out. Uh, he got a few things off his chest. I don't uh, disagree with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree. Probably with him a, a numerical system is uh, <laughs> misses a lot of things, especially you know, the four of us have have had uh, different interpretations of our numbers. Um, uh, and we have debated behind the scenes for the benefit of people watching. You know, we, it's like trying to come up with a rubric, as, as Aaron has pointed out. Like, you know, what are we looking for? Well, I want to see technical aspects. I want to see this. Yeah, I, I, again, if there's more, I'm sure there's more to that interview uh, with the Chicago Humanities Festival. But, yeah, probably too reductive for him. Hey, I have no problem with that. Um, so, yeah, okay. I, I, I have no problem with it either. I think everything he said is pretty true. Mm-hmm. Um, and relatively eye-opening, but I do think that ultimately what we're doing here isn't as simple as just being aggressive uh, about, you know, hating each other's rankings and and, and being aggressive about uh, judging art. I mean, really, this is a, at the end of the day, this is really an excuse for four people to just talk about life and ideas and explore cinema. So I think he, if he was to see our show, which I think he will once we post this conversation, um, uh, because he's known to be an internet freak, but, um, but I think he might appreciate or make, make, make a, uh, what's the word? Exception? An exception, mm-hmm. uh, because ultimately the idea here is that we're, we're trying to just talk about, about films. And maybe maybe... Maybe everything is subjective in art, and and uh, there's no objectivity to it. But there's also something fun about talking shit, Charlie. So lighten up yeah. a little bit, my friend. Yeah. Hey, I did go ahead and buy your book, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> where? Uh oh, Ant Kind. Although, although that looks like face. the end of the Wages of Fear, though. That's great. Theme. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it. Oh God! It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, let me do this. Oh, Charlie, there I we go. go ahead and buy your first ever novel, yes, Ant yes. Kind. Ant Kind. And yes. I'm very much looking forward to reading it. And um, so I love you, Charlie. In fact, if you go to our blog on our website, you will see that I did a my top five directors who are currently working, and Charlie's in there. Um, yeah. He is absolutely one of my favorite working directors. So I understand what you're saying, man, and obviously we had a little example of our aggression right before that clip where I was giving Aaron shit for giving this film a 7.7, but at the end of the day, if Aaron and I are having a conversation when these cameras are off, I don't care that he doesn't like a movie that I like. It's all in jest. It's all in fun, and it's all for the purpose of us figuring out what makes, we, what makes each other tick. Why do you like a movie? Why do you not like a movie? And we're just exploring ideas here. So Charlie... I'll give you a back massage, and I'll read your novel to you, and we'll all be friends. Um, so an 8.6, was it, Chris? 8.2. 8.2 was the final score? Oh, 8.7 was the final yeah. score. 8.2 was 8.7. score. Okay, so this is our champion, uh, our, our running champion. In case I didn't <laughs> fill our f- audience in, the way we're doing it now is our champion will be crowned after every other show, so... The running champion for this show is I'm Thinking of Anythings, and next in two weeks we'll watch three more films, and uh, it'll go up against whichever sh- uh, movie wins that one. So, uh, Paul, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Paul watched this film 
twice or did twice. you end up just twice? Twice. And, twice? And you went ahead and read the book. Read the book. And it wow. was all because, for the benefit of our viewers, I panned being John Malkovich. And uh, you, can, you can see that uh, on YouTube. Um, and I've being you know being John Malkovich I'd seen before and I just uh, and then revisiting it I was like there was a reason I didn't like this oh yeah I really don't like this movie I was <laughs> ready to hate this movie this is a movie that Yoshi has been trumping for some time and I'm like I can't we got to do we got to watch this movie I'm like oh god but this was uh, for me uh, I was spellbound uh, from start wow. to finish uh, and forget all the top four actors that are in there. Just the usage of one of my favorite character actors from the late 80s and 90s, Guy Boyd, who will find his way into every thriller back in that time. Always played a detective, always played like a trusted confidant. And to see him, obviously in his 80s glory, you know, um, showing off his uh, nude body for us. I was like, wow, you've come a long way. Really happy for him because he was truly one of my favorite actors. And it's just great to see that he's still working. That mixed this with is, just... talking about the father? The, the, uh, the janitor, janitor. The janitor, pardon me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should have been a little more clear. But yeah, this was... Uh, I thought this was a movie that Charlie Kaufman... Well, he adapted... I, I thought this was like one of those written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, but adapting this novel, um, I was, yeah, I was just absolutely hooked. Uh, we talked earlier about pacing and I, I loved it from the jump. I loved, uh, in fact, I had to go back and rewatch it because I said, what just happened up in the, uh, the you know, that, that room with a view as we're looking down on the two characters about to, you know, shuttle off in, on their road trip to the parents' house. I was like, oh, yep, I think I, uh, yep, I saw what I saw. Great. Um, yeah, this. I'm getting a lot of back background noise from one of you. I'm not oh, sure. It's Angel. It's Angel. Oh, no worries. No worries. Yeah, it's all good. She's you know gets hungry. Um, yeah. So let me uh, yeah let me focus my conversation a little bit. The uh, the performances across the board were terrific. Uh, the Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. Um, is that his name? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, his name was Jesse in the movie, too, so I got confused for a second. I was like, wait a His minute. His name was Jake <laughs> in the movie. Jake. Oh, okay. Jake, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the writing, how we interpreted the book uh, from, I don't know if it's Ian Reed or Ian Reed. Um, how close were they, Paul? They are, they're not very close. What's interesting is oh. I, what, what grabbed me, and to Aaron's point, uh, the one piece that I said, I promised myself, I'm not going to go looking for a review. I haven't read a review on this movie, but the one piece that was of interest to me, and I don't even know how I searched for it, was Char I just put the two names in, Charlie Kaufman, Ian Reed, and I said, okay, great. And Ian Reed, when he, when he was approached by Charlie Kaufman to bring his you know, movie to life, Ian Reed was like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to see what he does with this, and what he does with this is just... Uh, it's like a writer's paradise. I mean, he really had a lot of fun with it. And it's funny, the very the very words he uses in his interview at the Chicago Humanities Festival, you could certainly apply here. I mean, I thought it was just uh, beautifully show-offy with uh, our, our um, you know, Miss Buckley interpreting, uh, um, whether it was Gina Rollins or Pauline Kael. Um, Chagun! Oh, Chagun! It was a total Chagun moment. It was amazing. Oh, it was so good. I was like spellbound and she put the cigarette to her lips and I was like, 
And then the voice changed and it was just, it brought me back to the bedroom and that usual suspects moment. And I was like, oh, this is so great. I, for, I those just, of us, for those watching who don't know what we're referencing, uh, A Woman Under the Influence is a, uh, a movie by John Cassavetes, an indie film that we have previously reviewed on this show. Uh, and we had a really lengthy, uh, great conversation about that movie. And then, of course, the reference appears in this film when they're in the car and... Um, uh, our our woman character, uh, young woman, I believe she's credited as, uh, <coughs> attempts or not attempts starts to go into a monologue of a famous review of a woman under the influence, um, and so that moment was really special for me. I was I was freaking out because she was imitating her, <laughs> doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they start talking about the movie, and uh, man, that was awesome. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I really, yeah, this one really affected me. Uh, I was just deeply motivated after the first viewing. I went back Same. and watched, uh, you know, sped through to moments that uh, I was a little confused by, but then realized that I could just come up with, you know, my thought on what the movie was. And it just, you know, uh, and then I had to read the book. And I was like, okay, I just, and the, the book, interestingly, is positioned as sort of a, psychological thriller which the author said and i didn't really think of it as that um i and i to me it was uh i then had to go i had to go look up literary genres again because to me this was like a uh yeah this was like a narrative history and i was just like you know one person's life and just a reflection um and it was, uh, it was great so so let's get into that i mean there's a lot to unpack here um, but since you brought it up and since we kind of opened the conversation about what it's about and Aaron having to look into that, let's maybe try to unpack what we all think it's about because it's not entirely obvious what it's about. Um, for me, it was kind of straightforward, but uh, I can see there being many, uh, many interpretations of what, what it's really about. I mean, I had a conversation with uh, our, our mutual friend, Mike. I was on his podcast a few days ago, and after the show was over, he talked about how he was going to watch our show and how he really how he watched that film because I told him to. And one of the things he brought up was how uncomfortable it was viewing it to the point where he was pacing back and forth in his living room while watching it. He did he went on to uh, reveal that there were some personal relations uh, about it, where, where the scene where uh, Jesse or Jake, sorry, is sort of getting upset with his mother for not saying genius correct and so basically the idea is there it's like that overbearing mother who's like coddling her child too much and creates this uncomfort between the, the son and the mother um so so i can understand that maybe this film was very tension driving and some people would be uncomfortable watching it uh aaron <laughs> since you don't know what you don't know what you think the film was about can you maybe uh, tell us what you think it might be about or what you're, I mean, 7.7 is not terrible. There was clearly some things you liked. Oh about. yeah. I mean, it had variants of good variants of like, I enjoy this. I don't, uh, it's more, I need to go into like the things that I didn't like, I think to start to unpack the, the polarizing view here. Cause I think a lot of audiences out there, it is a very polarizing film. It's not like one of those where like, everyone comes to it saying it's a masterpiece. I think it hits half of the audience that way. And then the other half, it's just like, what is going on? Um, you know, towards the end of this film, I really wanted it to take a 
a twist, you know, like some kind of twist where we're going into maybe he is a killer, you know, maybe he brought this girl here. You see all the shakes in the trash can. Maybe that's his thing. He brings women there. Isn't that such a simple, like redundant? No, no, no. Because when it took that turn, when I saw the, the cups in the trash can, I was like, oh, man, this film's about to go off. <laughs> and I got really excited. And then it just never met up to that expectation. And I was just like, this was interesting. Now, the dance, the, the dance scene in the school. Love that. Beautiful. Um, what do you guys think that's about? The death of the superego. Whoa. Because that was so... I'm going to go. I don't, if you want to make a point before I start, Aaron, go right ahead. Cause I'm going to, oh, no, talk I don't even like know what the dance Guys, we got, we got plenty of time. This is our last <laughs> film. As things come up, let's try to unpack them. Oh my God. Try our best to stay organized here. Sure. We all have plenty to say. So go ahead, Chris. Wow. So first off, this movie was like just a lot of like Kaufman just being like, I'm such a good writer. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, good adapter in this case. Good adapter. Oh. Let's talk about Tolstoy in this scene. Oh, let's talk about literary theory. Oh, let's okay. talk about this movie. Again, keep hold everyone hold your thoughts when I interrupt. Oh Paul, you read the book and watched the film. Is that the is that the novelist or is that Kaufman? That, that's Kaufman. So he's okay. right. It's all okay. good. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. And it was just like I so the entire the entire thing for me was Jake accepting who he is. And feel free to jump in and disagree with me. I don't really care. So I'm can right. we all agree that Jake is the janitor? Yes. 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 Aaron, Aaron, did you place that, Aaron, or not so yes. much? Yes. Yes, I placed it. Okay. So Jake is the janitor. Go Jake on. Jake is the janitor, and th- his entire existence is: I'm smart, but the world didn't give me what I should have had. Yeah. So ah, because that's good. because good. the sh- the woman in this film is not real. Correct. She is a figment of his imagination. That's mm-hmm. why she can't even remember her name, or she doesn't even right. have a name because, because he she, can't give her a name. And she's sort of right. all these fantastical ideas of who he could have been, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's why she's, she's a more, poet, yeah. a philanthropist, or whatever. The Correct. Fuck. She's a physicist. No, she, physicist. Yeah. Physicist. She's not fully realized. So yes. this is the thing. It's this. This is that. Is the word vacuous? It's that moment where you realize we have this. As a viewer, you're watching a beautifully interpreted character through jesse buckley but we realize that as the writer as uh you know as our janitor is looking like you go oh she's not fully realized in his mind which begs the question did he ever have a relationship like a solid relationship with another human being to Uh you know so it's like right oh you know um no because he's just living potentially in his head right and, 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 and more proof that she's not real is is uh or that maybe some help me unpack this i guess mm-hmm. the dad never makes eye contact with jake only with right. her right and, and he's sort of mesmerized by her so maybe yeah. he's kind of mesmerized by this idyllic version of jake uh and then there's that moment where they're in front of the the, the photo and she's like is that me mm-hmm. so there's all these little things little mm-hmm. clues that they're the same person yeah and the the bed scene where he comes in and you, you first get the, the time dilation of everything oh. is like, not much fucking on that bed. I, it's not made for fucking. And you're like, Jesus Christ, old guy. Oh, oh that, that was, was so rich. So that was so rich. But like yeah, the way you like kind of 
eases it back in every like few seconds. Yeah. He's like, You're not gonna be fucking on that bed. That's a child's bed. You're like, okay, guy. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> but Aaron, I, I want to get your opinion on this. What was the dance scene for you? Hmm. Um, you know, that's the problem is this movie left me so disjointed that I felt like I was behind the movie the whole time, you know, and perhaps the second viewing, maybe it's like, oh yeah, oh. now I get it because I know what this is about. But as a first watch, it just felt like I was behind the movie the whole time. And I just was like, man, this is not, this is so sporadic. This is random. You know, well, uh, it's very stream of conscious style, which most of Kaufman's writings are. I mean, I can't remember. Did you like being John Malkovich, Aaron? I did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. Ironically, both those films have the exact same score from our from our mean average rankings. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand. I maybe understand that. I didn't have that experience whatsoever. Chris, to answer your question, I felt like the dance was sort of the idyllic dance of life that he yeah. wished to have had that was eventually crushed by reality in the stabbing of the uh, of his older self so his his older true self the janitor comes and crushes this idyllic version of life that he's yeah. fantasizing about because he fantasizes for this mm. romantic life like that's that's why we have the movie within the movie as well where it's like this ideal mm. idealized version of reality uh who is the director that they used <laughs> this is zemeckis, <laughs> zemeckis. <laughs> was, yeah so they have a very simple dialogue in this movie within the movie they're like yeah. it's like a classic diner it's like how life goes in hollywood right that's how love happens oh like you got me fired but you love me i do well shucks you know it's like so like cliche and, and 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 off and so that for me that dance was again going off that movie within the movie where we're inside this man's head he's in his truck still he never came back into the school he's in his truck and he's sort of hallucinating that's where we get mm. the animation with the pig yes. and he's sort of getting all these flashes from his childhood which you could say is what happens when you die potentially people have talked about that in the moment of death you sort of have this photo book remembrance of your life chapter by chapter and maybe you think of all your regrets and your feelings or maybe memory's weird and you don't know what's real or fake anymore you look back at your life and it's your memories are mixed with fantasies and with actualities and so for me, that dance was just that sort of final moment of him clinging on to this fantasy he had of falling in love and being with someone, which maybe this character never had. And what a great like metaphor, like visual metaphor, to have all the people in his life in the audience of his show because he was a janitor. He never got to go and be That's the right. center of a show. But yeah. they're all in the idealized version of how he remembers them as young, as beautiful, but with old people makeup. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Amazing. I thought yeah, that what, was like the one, like, wow, that's a deep cut. I like that one. Why do they have old people makeup? Just because it's like, oh, every, maybe everyone's dead in that? Correct. Well, I think that was the beautiful mind thing. Because I, I had to go, you know, going back and looking at his bookshelf, you know, right above Pauline Kale is the, you know, the Dymo labeler. And then there's the, uh, there's the, the beautiful mind thing, which I think is what he was trying to capture in that, the sort of goodbye with the audience, because it, I never understood if in Beautiful Mind the age the age makeup looked unusually heavy on the actors, and I was like, 
and so I don't know if Kaufman took it a little like one step further here. Um, or so beautiful, you know, beautiful or, mind. The yeah. film with Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I guess we're getting all these clues that it, like uh, that people are informed by their consumption of pop culture, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then that sort of gets twisted into their ideas of of how you're supposed to live life. Oh, kinda. Yeah, I think just for purposes of this little construct, these, you know, the four images of us and how for my generation, for example, the importance of a Pauline Kale review, that was that was the principal reason for many years why you got the New Yorker and how she was a leading voice uh, to interpret cinema and she interpreted it with just such a pleasant grandiloquence that was so enviably good. You were like, I'm going to incorporate that into my daily diction and my speak and everything. And, and, and so it's like that book and how thick that book is and how it's like he is playing out this movie. And it is perhaps through the lens of a Pauline Kael review. And it's like that is one of the thicker books that he's got in his bedroom. And I went, oh, he had a. Because you know, being show-offy, Kaufman has read every one of her reviews. He has his New Yorker subscription, and he just and he's probably got them all memorized. And the because that that in, that review of of um, uh, Woman Under the Influence is is just perfect. That's like a perfect you know, like you can see Kaufman go. I've got this one that uh, she's remember that scene where she blows the raspberries. This is going to be great. And I'm going to throw it into the movie, and it just works. Is that review of Woman Under the Influence from her or Kaufman? Yeah. From well, from Pauline Kael to Kaufman, it's Pauline Kael's review of a woman under the influence. Okay, it is and, right. It's and then what I don't know is whether it's spoken as Jesse Buckley is now Gina Rollins commenting on on her own movie, or if it's Pauline Kael commenting on her own movie. I couldn't remember. And if you go back to Women Under the Influence, <laughs> but she had the cigarette in her hand, I thought you know. Because there are moments where she's Gina Rollins, and then I didn't know if in that moment, as her voice, you know, the timbre of her voice changes just slightly, and you're like, is she Gina Rollins or is she Pauline Kael? Because I don't, maybe I heard Pauline Kael speak once. You know, and this is where the genius of the film comes into play for me, because we're, throughout most of the film, we're just in a man's fantasies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why we're getting this, maybe that's why it was difficult for Aaron to watch, because maybe you didn't really get that part of it and, and and i can understand that because it's sort of jumping well, it felt like a horror a horror movie or something you know coming out like you know there was that tension well, the, yes. you see aaron's kind of right i mean that's the thing the, the the book was for some reason positioned as exactly what aaron's talking about like because there's a whole chapter where we're having this you know uh, all work and no play max makes jack a dull boy in the book and you're like it is like a 12 pages of the same sentence, somebody is at the end of his reality. Mm. And then you're like, oh. Well, like how creepy is it, you know, the basement and everything. It's like they're setting us up for this suspense, like there's Mm -hmm. something down there and all these elements of the house where it's, you know. uh, The pig. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's scary. I don't, it just, it didn't really, I don't know. This this film just rubbed me wrong. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I didn't like the uh, Tony Collette and David, the mother what? and father. It didn't. I didn't like them as the oh. the actors in there. Oh, they were so amazing. And I that's a common insertion. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. me, the mother was overacting. Like I just saw an. That's actor. the point. 
That's I the know, point. But I don't. These are memories. These aren't real people. So you're taking the worst elements of these yes. people because he didn't have a good childhood. And so he's just, he's, he's creating monsters in his head because of these people who maybe traumatized him in the past. And that's yeah. fine, but I want to see like a, a more natural performance from the parents. And, I, and that's it, not what she, she's capable of. I mean, we know fair. you've seen her body. Yeah, I mean, she, is, she can execute that flawlessly. And I think as the old doddering mother withering away with food on her face, she captured an as like, like, I thought that was a beautifully nuanced moment. She is capturing her very best interpretation of someone interpreting her as the dying mother. Yes. Like difficult. through the eyes of her son. And I'm going, holy shit, Tony yes. Poet. Really good. That's pretty good. You know, that's 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 what I saw. Again, yeah. I knowing that's that's exactly you know, right. You know. That's how I saw it as well. And and, and that, that's why we can't take these things for face value because this isn't reality. This is not reality. This whole thing is a man dying. Yeah. He's in his truck and he's dying, <laughs> giving up on life. Uh, and he's thinking back. Yes. And so, and so uh, our woman character, like Chris pointed out, is like sort of him, and as Paul pointed out, him remembering all these things he knows and using pop culture and, and pretending to be these things. I mean, how many times have I been in the shower and I've been singing to myself and I've been pretending I'm on a stage at a concert in front of a bunch of people and I'm this rock star. I mean, I do that shit all the time. There's a Can't part of me who wants to be a rock star. That's not my life. But maybe when you're an old man and you don't actually follow anything through, through for the, your whole life and you resort to being a janitor and you let the trauma of your life take hold of you, then that's what you do in your dying days. You think of all these things you could have been. You think of all the film reviews you read and you pretend to be these people who had opinions that mattered. But really, you never really found a stage to perform on. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why, Aaron, give yourself permission that full garbage can, I mean, like, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm in my moment, I, I probably, you know, this is me talking, I would probably give myself permission to go back to Tulsi Town and have my way with those two girls. <laughs> and maybe those two girls get dragged into my, and before I exit the world, I'm going to, they're going to be two cups and two french fries and two, you know, disposable bags and that because I'm taking care of them. That, oh my God. like, it's, it's like, that's, you know, if I'm going to reinterpret okay. my life and yes, Oh, let me, well, let what me is, have this what fascination. What is the whole Tulsi Town uh, scene about? Why are there the two girls? Why is there the, the one girl that's like all depressed and sure, her arms are all like, you know, bruised and abused? Because like, that was the was one girl who saw him. So, yeah, it was, was in self-insertion. Yeah, so, you know, because you, when he, when that janitor's first introduced, he's, you know, the people are making, the girl, you know, the students are making fun of him as he walks by. So in his world, that's what I thought was so genius. He has this, you know, whatever, deus ex machina, there's a moment where we have the same person who is helping everybody, like, you know, I, I don't feel, I feel bad for you. And the fact is, we've got the, what, the lead from Oklahoma and what, the second lead from Oklahoma are there just, you know. With their mm -hmm. Oklahoma makeup ready to like whatever you want to do to me. But uh, we well, have perhaps, this voice of reason. Aren't those girls like Hold looking up. at him and like like giving him yeah, a And he still can't he still can't in his own mind just go ah you know. No, perhaps yeah. that moment from Wages of Fear comes into play right here where we talked <sighs> about how in Wages of Fear maybe these men don't realize what's right around them because mm -hmm. they're stuck fantasizing about what they could be. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there's a moment here when they go to the ice cream place right. because 
like Paul said, the only girl who noticed him was this girl who wasn't ideally beautiful, okay? She had some problems, but she was actually willing to love this man. But this man ignored her because he was focused on what he should, he thought he should be focusing on, which was these two blondes who were making fun of him. So he was more focused on the things that didn't matter than seeing the love that was right in front of him. And now he's an old man looking back on this and regretting it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I just yeah. realized yeah. that right now, hearing you get, having you guys bring that up. And the, the idealism of the woman and, and the jingle of how he enters into, assumedly, the afterlife is the Tulsi Town jingle. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Aaron, you're just shaking your head. I mean, you're really that upset with this, huh? I just don't think it was executed well. I think the story of what you're talking about is more exciting than what I saw. Yeah, because, because you're looking for reality, my friend. You're looking no, for something. No, no, I'm looking for it to be executed correctly. And how do you execute? How, do you, how, how would you execute the subconscious? How would you execute a man dying and thinking back on I've his seen, life? I've seen many movies where they do flashbacks in a proper way that feels fulfilling. I mean, I'm, I'm re-watching Lost. It is the masterpiece of flashbacks, let me tell you. And going from those kind of flashbacks to whatever disjointed version of this that happened, like I don't, I didn't like this. I didn't enjoy this. This is where you and I always clash, my friend. I mean, I love you. You know that. And we always admit that we clash and that's fine. Nobody's right or wrong here. Let's get that shit out of the way. But this is my problem with how you view films is like you need everything to be wrapped in a box. Things can't be complicated. You need to know what reality is. Like some films like to stretch the imagination and stretch how we uh, understand a story. And that's what Kaufman is the best at, in my opinion. Yeah, Chris gets my vote for today because uh, the, the dis- destruction of the superego, I think, was spot on. That's pretty good. Because that's where well, I wanted that the ego voice. Somewhere, I mean, I'm sure Kaufman had a lot of fun with this. And, you know, when he comments, when he starts posting on our YouTube channel, we'll, we'll find out. We'll engage with him. Oh, he's going to hate me because I'm so aggressive. He, <laughs> I hate aggression. You're, you're show-offy. Oh, you're very show-offy. I'm very oh, show-offy. I'm, yeah. very. I'm sorry, Ca- Charlie Kaufman, the writer of this film where you fucking mentioned Tolstoy, uh, fucking woman under the influence and like, oh, okay, and yeah. other things. Yeah. You get your Wordsworth <laughs> with Wordsworth. Come on. Like, go that was fuck a, yourself. Like, I'm telling you, he's typing away and he goes, you get your Wordsworth with Wordsworth. That yeah. right there, I went, and then he wipes the semen off of his mustache. <laughs> of course. I don't care. I did that once. You know, I hooked the heels under the headboard. I tried to shoot in my face. You know, it was great. You know, woohoo. Oh, my <laughs> God. List of questions that my next girlfriend has. Did you? Uh, of course I did. Put a big check by that. If we have know. it on video now. <laughs> there you go. Hoffman, you aggressive motherfucker. How, could, oh, how dare you? Uh, Look, I mean, I'll ease up, Aaron. I get it. It's not. It's not like a regular kind of movie, and I understand. You know, like no, yeah, it just doesn't. It didn't tickle me. It didn't take me away to where you guys went, and that's just what I would. I would invite you to try this again at some point because I think that you can like this movie. Yeah, I really do. Maybe I need a second viewing because now, especially after this conversation, especially if you're the guy who likes Christopher Nolan. I mean, this is you know. I think this is right up your alley. You know what the irony is going to be? You're going to get out of film school and you're you're going to get something. Uh, you're going to get an id ego super ego script and you're going to go, oh, I remember this. And this, you're going to come back to this template and you're going to go, okay, I'm going to have fun with it. I, 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 please watch it again. I mean, you, one of your favorite movies is Run, Little Run. I mean, that's that's a bit playing with time there. That's a, yeah, a little... but to me, while I'm watching that, it's like, aha, 
in this movie, I have no aha. I have to talk oh to my you guys. Oh, oh, movie was aha. Every movie was aha. No, but I'm telling yes. you my experience, which is yeah. my experience. It's the only way I, I know how to to uh, interpret this. And for me, it's I didn't have an aha. So I had to go read about it online. Then I got to talk to you guys for 30 minutes. And now it's like, oh, I should revisit it. But now I know all about the film and maybe it makes more sense. But what yeah. bothers me about this film is I didn't get an aha. So that's why it didn't get a, you know, it's not a masterpiece for me because I didn't aha on my first watch. To play devil's advocate, after a very quick cursory search on YouTube of I'm thinking of ending things explained, the top four videos that come up, which explain everything in the movie, have over a million views combined. <laughs> so, so people are watching this. People, I, people don't get it. People are. Yeah, no, I, that's okay. why I'm, I'm, I can't give you enough permission to just. I love the fact that you, what you said, like. But I, what's so? But, but is, allow yourself to just uh, come up with an interpretation. I think that's what I've gotten. We're now on DCS seven, and that's what I've gotten out of you guys. That's how you, the three of you, have influenced me. Where I can look at a movie and be comfortable in what I'm going to express, as long as I. You know, stand by what I, you know, yeah. what I mean. It's like, yes. that's what it's all about. But but to give exactly. me permission to interpret a movie a different way, I may rank something eights or nines, but I look at it a little differently, and then I'll come off of numbers, too. I just, uh, I think this is right up your alley. I think you are a heady guy, Aaron, and I, yes, I, I see a script like this in your future with a brilliant cinematographer, and I just see you going to town. Well, you know? that's that's partially why I'm so emotionally responsive to Aaron, <laughs> to Aaron not liking it, because I, I want him to like it, because I know yeah. he will like it yeah, if he, he watches will. it in the right you know perspective. And, and it's nothing about being right or wrong. That's why I wanted to start this conversation right. with that clip from, 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 um, from, from Coffin, because I know that this show is kind of setting us up to have these sort of back and forth banters and, and, and to, for me to potentially be aggressive or passionate. <laughs> I like to use the word passionate, but, um, that's good. but it's go. true. I mean, what Kaufman said is true, and that's why, you know, just because me, Chris, and Paul were able to jack off with Charlie doesn't mean that we should have been jacking off with Charlie. Potentially, it was just a jack off session, and, and Aaron's right. And that's why I gave it an 8.2. 8.2, yeah. That's, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. that you ranked yeah. it uh, as low as you did. 8.2, you know? so there's a yeah. reason for that. Maybe uh, Chris should mention why. Well, that was it, it was masturbatory. Like, it was literally ah. it, this character was like, I don't I don't give a shit, man. Like, I, I understand that you think you're smart, but everything that he was saying was either he was either parroting something or literally stealing from a review. So, like, there were times where he was just like, oh, yeah, you know, Tolstoy says, and he, re he recites the poem. It's like, yeah. And then the, the girl in it was like, but didn't, you, didn't he actually mean this? I mean, I used to, I still do this all the time where I'll say something with confidence and then all Yoshi has to do is go, no. And then it completely falls apart. Like, it is, it is pseudo-intellectualism. It is yes. overconfidence, and it is just the most ridiculous shit. Like, I, but, I, I felt myself in the middle of this, like, who the fuck is this guy, and why are we following him? Like, but that's why I, it's that's that that's exactly why it's not masturbatorial, because he's actually making fun of himself. And mm -hmm. if you're going to use that example, I mean, I mean, he, what do you, I think what he's trying to say with all of that Tolstoy and referencing all these film reviewers and all these great poets and writers is that 
you know, you can read as many books as you want and watch as many films as you want and read as many reviews as, and watch as many of those YouTube meeting videos as you want throughout your life, mm-hmm. but you need to make your own Yes. Opinion. You need yes. to think for yourself, yeah. not just repeat information right. and recycle shit like we're doing so much in our current culture. All these people are pretending like these are their own in- ingenious ideas that, that they're bringing up in these conversations with their friends. People are just recycling the information they read in the fucking news in the morning. I mean, it, that's, I think that's really what Kaufman is trying to bring up. I mean, yeah. you may be right on that, but at the same time, like it, it's in the, in the, in the th- stasis of the movie, he is having this conversation with himself. So he can also call himself out on it. And wh- whether it's, that's the, the, just the narrative yeah. of the movie and the mechanics of how you have to discover what's happening. But like, there were several points in the movie where I was just like, what the fuck's happening? Like, what was the thing with the pig? Like, it just woke up and had maggots one day. And like, uh, speaking as a person who lives in that area where, where it's set in Fishkill, New York, that doesn't happen. There's no, there's no disease where a pig will just have maggots growing in its stomach. But that's had the funkiness of memories, right? Yeah. But maybe, and, and, maybe it's cancer yeah, then? I don't I think know. He comments on. It. I think he comments. But how, on how often do you? How often do you uh, try to tell your friend a story about from your childhood, and you catch yourself and you're like, you know, wait, is that how it went down? Well, the Mandela no, effect. Yeah. What's it called? The Mandela effect. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Where you sort of implant ideas into your memory that to fill in the gaps. Well, it's like the the Bernstein Bears. Were actually the Berenstein Bears, and people were like, "Oh no, it's always been the Bernstein Bears." Yes. And it, it was so ubiquitous yes. that they actually changed the name. Yes, and so that's the power. That's the yeah. The, the how uh, I'm looking for a word here. Phallic? No, not phallic. Penis. Uh, penis. No, not not penis. penis. <laughs> Wrong word. <laughs> uh, that's memories. Dick. Dick. Huh? Dick. 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 Memories are dick. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, for, I just want to say two things, before, and then if anyone else has anything to add, uh, Tony Collette, seeing her in a house ever since Hereditary just freaks me out. Her in any house freaks me out now. Mm-hmm. I love her. And uh, Jesse Plemons, for me, is teetering on Philip Seymour Hoffman level. Oh, 100%. He's getting in, up there. In his way, 100%. You if you need to see his <laughs> early beginnings, Friday Night Lights, and watch his craft come alive and grow before your eyes it's worth it that man's on to some shit man oh. yeah uh i ha- i do have a quote here see if anyone has any responses to it from the movie um watch the world through this glass pre-interpreted for us we become it like a virus that was a line in the film mm-hmm. um i'm trying to find some context for the audience but i can't really place why i wrote that down but that is a cool line watch the world through this glass pre-interpreted for us, we become it like a virus. I think that that line might sum up the film. I don't really know how to articulate it, but there's something there. I think that's, I think that's a more of a, a thing on what, what disease he might have had and what, what might have caused him to you know, get hyperthermia or uh, whatever you might want to call it, where he takes all his clothes off and goes into the, into the snow. 
the pig might have been a, a kind of a Chekhov's gun to something that was growing within him that was killing him, which was causing him to kind of like lose grip on reality. And like a virus, it becomes you because as the cells mature and get eaten by the virus, they become it and they spread it more. That's interesting. I think I think I, I think I was kind of thinking more along the lines of like, you know, our current world has a virus, right? Mm-hmm. But is there a second virus that we can't see? Well, we can't see viruses at all. But is there a second virus that maybe is not so obvious that's also being spread right now? For example, a virus of a glass that we're all looking through that is pre-interpreted, like this quote says. And so, for me, this film wraps up so nicely what we're currently going through, which is very ironic that he wrote this, or that he made this right before this whole pandemic happened, because do we believe the narratives that are being spewed to us? And why do we if we do? And I I know I'm not trying to turn this into, first of all, we're allowed to think. So don't, anytime yeah. someone questions things, that is not a conspiracy, okay? <laughs> that is not a conspiracy if you're just thinking and questioning things. But Hieronymus the idea is Yosh. that... Huh? Hieronymus Yosh. Hieronymus, Hieronymus Yosh. Yosh. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, are we really thinking for ourselves? And that's kind of what the movie is prosing for me. Are we really thinking for ourselves? Or are we just watching something and the way we're going to think has been predetermined? And there's sort of two viruses going on right now. Well, Heavy yeah, stuff. I think you're right. I mean, just reduce it to watching a movie. You come out of a movie like this, and then you're looking to the other person like, oh, I loved it. Yeah, why did you like it? Oh, this, this. okay. But then you got to get home and, you know, get yourself involved in a review or find uh, somebody online who's seemingly smarter than you who's going to justify your interpretation, which now you feel comfortable with, and now you can tell a loved one or a friend authoritatively, oh, yes, this is what I believe the movie was. I'm like, this one? I said, no. But you're right. To your point, I don't want to get too expansive here but your point about um yeah i love i love your point like it's not a conspiracy you are allowed to think i'm like yes that's exactly what we need to do in these times we are yes on our calendar right now we are we need to think and then we need to take action it's funny that the movie talks about thoughts as a what a true action and actions are not quite Actions. I forget what his line was in the car, but uh, a thought is reality. So it's, um, I forget the context, but yeah, I think you make a very good point. I'll just, uh, I'll say that. 